Amen. It is thy faithfulness. I never cease to be amazed that, of course, that little gem comes from the lamentations of Jeremiah. He lamented that God was faithful. It's wonderful to rejoice that God is faithful when he does all these marvelous things for us. But when God is faithful about punishing us, it always causes a moment where we say, couldn't you just be a little less faithful today? Um, what is running and what is hiding? I already announced that that was the theme of what I'm preaching on today. I have seen people who have run from their problems or from their sins. But how far can you go? And where would you hide? The God who created heaven and earth. I was talking once once again with someone just recently, and they announced that they'd like to send some people to Mars. And this person said to me, I'd go anywhere but Earth. Um, and I said, uh, well, unless you want to be all by yourself, somewhere off in some distant planet, um, you realize that you take Earth with you because you take yourself and somebody else and nobody wants to be there all by themselves. Amen? No, there is no, no joy in just being all by yourself somewhere. Um, so where are you going to go to get away from it all? How far can you go to where you finally feel like you fled enough away from God that you don't have to worry anymore about him finding you? Father, I pray now that you would guide us and direct us throughout the study of your word. Use it, I pray, to the utmost of your own honor and praise and glory, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to begin with probably what most of you who have been saved for a while have already thought of, and that's Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, I find four basic things that David covers here. God knows 
first of all, what we do. And the real question there is, who do we fear? You realize, if God already knows who or what you fear, is that suddenly going to disappear? Because in the bottom line, uh, when we flee, we're fleeing from God. We're not fleeing from a problem. Secondly, God understands our thoughts. He knows exactly what we're thinking about. That's also a part of fleeing um, from God. The third thing that the psalmist here covers is God has surrounded our paths. He already knows the path. He knew it before you did. And the fourth thing he covers is he is already everywhere that we could run. So the psalmist says, O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Yeah. God knows us intimately. Amen. He knows exactly what's going on with you today. He knows you. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Do you know that God knows what you're going to think an hour from now? He already knows you that intimately. God knows you so well. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows what paths you're going to take. In verse 3, he says, Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything about you. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. You can't even have an original word, but that God already knew what you were going to say. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night uh, shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You realize when God created the earth, it says, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But God could still see. God isn't limited by the things that we think could limit him. 
Can I hide in the darkness? Can I hide a long ways off? Go to the other side uh, of a country around the world to get away from God? Can I go to Mars and get away from God and from what God wants in my life? There's nowhere that I can go and get away from him. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. God already knew what you would be like today when your mother was pregnant with you. What a thought. There's nothing I can hide from him. Why, I couldn't even hide in my mother's womb from a God that knew me and still knows me intimately. I will praise thee. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Yeah, the psalmist pretty well lets us know there is nowhere that I can flee to to get away from God. My dad taught me an important lesson when I was a kid. I learned it by mistake. When my dad would want to spank me, And that was not very often, 365 days a year. Um, But he would take off his belt and he'd tell me that I had to go to his room. I tried everything to escape and to sort of, you might say, hide from my father's discipline. I put my school books in my pants. But, you know, it's very obvious that you have school books in your pants, right? Um, But since I was like Adam in the Garden of Eden, I couldn't see behind. Didn't have eyes back there. And apparently I didn't think my dad could see either. Um, That didn't work. Because then my dad would make me take my pants down, and it hurt a lot worse. Um, So I found out when your dad was going to spank you, you hug him. How can you spank a child with a belt who's hugging you? Why, the belt is hitting you more than it's hitting the child. Yeah, if you're going to flee, flee to God, not away from him. 
because the problem is us. It's not God. Where are you going to hide? Adam and Eve tried to hide. The Bible tells us about that in Genesis chapter 3. Verses 7 to 13, Genesis 3, 7 to 13. In verse 7 it says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now folks, I don't have a lot of experience with aprons. I should have more experience than I do. Um... But an apron, does it just cover the front of you? You see, they didn't cover themselves behind. But like me as a child, they couldn't see behind. And so all they worried about was what was in front of them. They covered their own eyes from their sin. Their sin had caused them to recognize their nakedness before God. But all they worried about was in front. They didn't worry about what was visible clearly to everyone else who came up behind them. And in verse 8 it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Do you realize what God is asking Adam for is what we call confession? Tell me where you are. He didn't ask Adam, you better start crying now because, boy, you've really got it in for yourself. No, he said, where are you? And Adam's answer should have been, I'm right here. I sinned. But instead... Adam says in verse 10, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now he has obliquely mentioned the problem, but he didn't confess it. This is not confession. He mentions the results of his sin. I hid because I was naked. The results of sin don't really cover the cause of his nakedness. And he said, God said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Who told him? No one. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Did you eat? Now, <clears throat> folks, that's a yes or no question. Yes, I ate. Or no, I didn't eat. That is not a question of why did you eat? 
Too many of us, when we deal with sin, we try to cover it by answering the question of, why did I do this? That doesn't answer the question. That's not confession. God asks, yes or no, did you do it? Yes, I did it. That's confession. No, I didn't do it. That's not confession. That's a lie. And anything else is not confession. So what did Adam say? And the man said, the woman. It's not really my fault, God. It's your fault. The woman that thou gavest to be with me. This companion that you gave me. This strange creature who came from outer space. It's her fault. And it's your fault. If you hadn't given me this model, if you had given me a different model, I wouldn't have sinned. It's your fault, God, and it's, it's her fault, too. Well, the woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree. She's the cook. What fault do I have? She made the food. I just ate what she put on my plate. It's all her fault. And I did eat. You finally get to what's close to confession in the last four words. And I did eat. But it's not really confession. It's blame. Oh, how well we know to hide behind blame. So it says in verse 13, and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The right answer was, I sinned. Amen? That was the right answer. But Eve now has heard Adam blame her and God. And she says, Okay, I can't blame Adam and I can't blame God. Who can I blame? The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Blame. You know, it's not just men who know how to blame. Women know how to blame, too. The devil made me do it. Folks, all this hiding did them absolutely no good. They hid amongst the trees. But who created the trees? Well, God did. Does a tree hide God's eyes from what we're doing? I oftentimes think of Nathaniel in the Gospel of John. And Jesus says, I saw you when you were under the tree. Now, Nathaniel immediately says, my Lord and my God, uh, which makes me wonder. Nathaniel had to have looked around 
And he said, nobody's here. Whatever Nathaniel was doing, he thought he was all alone. And Jesus says, I saw you when you were under the tree. God saw Adam and Eve when they were hidden behind the tree also. Um, I don't have to worry about where I can hide. Adam and Eve let me know that there is nothing from which I can hide. I, I think of my grandkids sometimes. And I like to play hide and seek with them. And, and I'll count real slowly. One, two, like that, all the way to 20. By the time I get to 20, I'm going to, uh, okay, ready or not, here I come. So both of them will jump in some place where they think they're hiding. Like they'll hide behind a lamppost. Like as if I can't see them because this tiny post is between my eyes and them. Or they'll hide in the closet and I can clearly see that they're in the closet and I can hear them giggling in there. Um, and, and I'll go, uh, well, I guess they're not in the closet they're not in this room and I'll hear like the younger going yes we are <laughs> okay let me tell you that's how it is with God we think we've hidden and God sees us very clearly nothing hides us from his eyes. Cain, in Genesis chapter 4, Cain tried to hide from God. In verse 3 it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, Shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And literally, the sin offering lies at the door, the lamb. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. But could he hide it from God? You know, he could hide it from Adam and Eve for a while. But could he hide it from God? And eventually, Adam and Eve were going to know too. Do you know the very people that we strive so hard to hide things from 
always find out. Because who we're really trying to hide from is God. Adam and Eve tried to hide, and they taught their children very well. Cain, he already knew that he had to offer a lamb. This was no surprise to him. Adam and Eve had told him, in the Garden of Eden when we sinned, God had to, had to sacrifice a lamb to cover our nakedness with skins. Now, instead of offering a lamb, he offers the fruit of his own works. His own self-righteousness, his own religion. Here, Lord, I don't want to be accepted on the grounds of a sacrifice. I want to give you what I want to give you. I'll serve you the way that I say, not the way that you say. It's my choice. And if I don't feel like serving you, then I can get away with it because I can hide and I'll just kill anybody who gets in my way. Where will you run and where will you hide? The book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 2. I like reading Jonah. Jonah was a man who had every reason not to obey God. After all, he lived in a wicked place. He lived right there in the valley of Megiddo, near Nazareth, where these soldiers from Nineveh, who had no port, Nineveh had no port, uh, except down river, down the Euphrates, and into the Persian Gulf, and then they'd have to go all the way around Africa to finally get into the Mediterranean where they wanted to be. So Nineveh just took over the valley of Megiddo, right through the heart of northern Israel, because they wanted a port to the Mediterranean. Well, that meant... Jonah had to suffer the consequences. He lived in a place where the soldiers came through. His wife was raped. His daughters were taken as sex slaves to Nineveh. His sons were killed. He just lived in a wicked place, and he certainly didn't want to go to Nineveh. And so in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. When he actually gets there, by the way, and I'm not going to read the whole book of Jonah, although it's a, an extremely interesting book. When God forgives the Ninevites, he said, I knew you would do this. That's why I told you, when I was living in my own house, I'm not going there because I knew you would forgive these people. Well, then this is an argument he was having with God. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nope, I'm not going there. Now, many, many authors 
Like Dr. Schofield says, he was just a bigot. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he, he hated Gentiles. Excuse me. He got on a boat and it wasn't to go to Jerusalem. Okay. It says in verse 3, but Jonah, uh, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Do you know what Tarshish is? This is the Hebrew name for Spain. Uh, last time I saw, there were lots of Gentiles in Spain. Jonah wasn't hating every Gentile, just the people of Nineveh. And by the way, Jonah never got to go home. When Jonah died, he was buried in Nineveh. From the presence of the Lord. There's the secret. He's hiding from God. And went down to Joppa, which was, it's in Israel, but it's um, the port that the, that the Ninevites maintained. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare thereof. What words? Do you know if God were sending him to Tarshish, God would have paid the fare. I've never had to worry about paying the fare to go somewhere that God was sending me. I have to worry and save and try to beg, borrow, and steal and everything else. Um, today it would be raise money on GoFundMe or whatever because God isn't providing for me. I have to get it from somewhere else. That's what happens when you're paying the fare. When you are doing what God has clearly indicated to you is the opposite. God told him to go west to Nineveh instead, northwest to Nineveh, instead he's going southeast to Spain. When will we ever learn? There's nowhere to go to flee from God. And he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. He goes down into the ship to go with them unto Spain. I'll just read it as Spain because that's what you know it as today. From the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest. God sent, first of all, a wind. The wind is trying to blow him back to Nineveh. But he isn't listening. He's down in the belly of a ship. And then there arises a great storm. The waves are beating so that the ship was like to be broken. It's just about breaking the ship in half. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. 
You know, there's one person on that ship who's not crying out to God. Everybody, all the mariners, they're unbelievers. They're all praying to their gods. But the one who actually knows God, he's not praying. And cast forth the wares, everything they were carrying on board that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. That's what I call depression. You know, I don't want to obey God. I'm so depressed. I don't care if the ship is coming apart. He's in the most dangerous part of the ship. He's down in the bottom of the ship where if it does come apart, he's going down faster than everybody else. Everybody else at least can try swimming. He can't even do that. The ship is going to come apart and he's going to go straight to the bottom of the sea and he doesn't care. He's so depressed. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Yeah. Where are you going to hide? When you flee from God, where are you finally going to hide? Going to go down into the bottom of the ship? You know, eventually he wants to hide from God so much, he says, throw me into the sea. I'll do anything but serve God. I just as soon eat salt water and die. Says he was down there and the seaweed wrapped around his head and everything. You know, he's, he didn't even care that he was going to die, but God did. Jonah, where are you? Well, right now, I'm in the belly of a big fish. God sent a submarine. And it picked Jonah up. And it took him to the shore and said, there's Nineveh. You're straight in front of it now. Children of Israel tried to hide as well. wasn't enough to flee from God. They tried to hide from him. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8 and verse 5. Ezekiel 8, verse 5. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now and go way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way to, toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, uh, this image of jealousy in the entry. He sees an idol in the temple as he's looking. He said furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here? 
that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. He sees a hole in the wall. Just a tiny hole. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. Somebody had mudded up the whole door. They were trying to hide what they were doing. So they put a mud wall in front of the door. But God made a little hole. And he said, okay, there's a hole. I want you to look in there. So you're going to have to dig it out. And Ezekiel digs out this mud wall that was placed in front of the door. And he finds the door. And verse 9, and he said unto me, go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw and behold every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients, that's the elders of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood uh, Jezaniah, the son. Okay, we don't even need to read it all. Let me tell you, they're all in there hiding from God. Their worship of false gods, their idols that they have set up. Hiding. God knows exactly where you're hiding. You can mud up the door. You can close off all the windows. You can run to Spain. No matter where you go, even to the bottom of the Mediterranean, God is there and he knows exactly where you are. Amen? No hiding from God. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going to say before you even say it. He has every bit of your life before him. And just like Adam and Eve, when you think you've really done a good job, it's laughable. Because God already knows who you are. He knew you when you were nothing more than one cell in your mother's womb. He's known you all your life. He knows everything about you. There is nowhere to run from him and there is nowhere to hide from him. Being convinced about the sovereignty of God in my life helps me know how to live. God notices those who are faithful when no one else is. What does it mean 
When everybody around you is doing one thing, that God tells you clearly you should do something else. You know, we're all convinced about the sin of omission. That is, when I don't do what God tells me to do, and also the sin of commission, when I do do something that God told me not to do. Amen? Both of those are equally sin. Do you realize with Adam and Eve, it wasn't just the sin of commission, eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was also the sin of omission. God told them to eat of the tree of life and live forever. If they had only obeyed God and eaten of the tree of life, they would have never eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Doing what God tells us to do often protects us from doing what God tells us not to do. If I'm busy about doing the things that God tells me to do, that'll keep me from doing the things that God tells me not to do because I haven't got time to do the wrong things. Well, God pays attention to those who stand all by themselves and are faithful to him even when no one else is. Daniel shows us that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel was a man who knew how to do that. And God has a very special place in the Bible and in his heart for a man like Daniel. Malachi taught us how to do that. In Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3, last book of your Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day, when I make upon my jewels, and I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him, then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Someday, Malachi says, we're going to see the difference. God already sees the difference. He's got a book of remembrance where he puts down the names of those that want to serve him and that fear him and do what he says. Daniel set an example. 
Malachi taught us, and John prophesied about it. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Revelation chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. God seals them. My friend, there really is nowhere to run. And there's nowhere to hide. Maybe it's just time to say, yes, Lord, here I am. I want to do your will. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to try to hide. I want to serve you with all my heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you now for this time that we have to come before you. I pray, Lord, that you would use your word so deeply in our hearts and lives. Challenge us today to serve you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.